It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. And uh, hopefully we'll be streaming soon on YouTube at the Team 982. Um, and hopefully, Anthony, the computer in front of me will uh, will work. So uh, for for the radio audience, well, that's all we have right now is the radio audience. We don't have a YouTube audience because we're not yet streaming on YouTube. Uh, your boy's been home, uh, doing the show from home the last couple of, of days because my wife has been sick. Thankfully, she's feeling much better, but, you know, want to be available to play nurse, etc. Um, also wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to get sick and make everyone else sick. So uh, just, you know, you, you operate from home and, and that is what it is. And so I get back in here today, Anthony, I and like between that and the holiday, I, when was the last time I was here? It's a great question, Craig. Uh at some point early last week. Yeah. Nothing, nothing worse. <laughs> it's one of those days, huh? It is. I have been greeted with, it, it is as if we did not cross into 2024. Mm-hmm. It is as if we have crossed into the year 2000 and Y2K was real. Wow. Let's see. Let's see if the sound effects work. Does, does this work? He almost pooted on himself. Okay, so. Good, good thing we still have that. Okay. All right. We don't have. We just. We, we haven't have, hit rock bottom yet. No. But we're, we're close. No, but right now the. the and then there's the oh, beeping. And then there's the beeping. Wow. See, like for people who think this is a bit. Was that has that been happening while I've been gone? Nah, this is the first time I'm hearing it. Are you hearing it through the glass? Or are you hearing it through the microphone? I think the mic. Okay. Well, that would make sense then, because if it was beeping when you know you weren't here. I, there's nothing I can do about it. It's uh, it's something down here. I tell you what we can do. We, I I think you should go get an engineer. Gotcha. I think I think that we need to figure out what that beeping is. I think that we need. Of course, now I'm going to send Anthony to get an engineer. And do I have the sound ready to play? Of course not. So it's hard for me to carry on with the show. Um, but we will. Um, but yeah, we're uh, welcome back, everybody. I know for most of you, it, it you probably couldn't tell the difference, which is good. That's how we like it. Because um, where I am is is not relevant to how you consume the show, um, but just so so we're all on the same page. I'm I'm back in in the main studio, and it has greeted me as a scorned lover, as if I have been away with with someone else, and it's not very happy with me. Um, alas, we'll we'll soldier on. We're here till seven tonight. Uh, as as if that wasn't enough. We have a full three hours to reacquaint ourselves. Uh, no basketball tonight after us. No Wizards. Uh, barely any Wizards last night in Cleveland, and they were playing. Uh, that's a different story. We'll talk about that uh, maybe later. Uh, probably talk about it tomorrow with Dave Johnson as they prepare to play Cleveland again. Uh, but, yeah, no no Terps. Just just me and you and Anthony once he gets back with the engineer until, until 7 o'clock tonight. And uh, eventually a YouTube audience if this computer in front of me ever stops doing the circle of death. Uh, we will talk to Linnell, and uh, speaking of bringing chaos to the studio, Linnell will be here at 5 o'clock in person in studio. So, uh, you don't, you know, the beeping's gone, Anthony. Uh, now now uh, Anthony is back with an engineer, and of course the beeping has stopped. But I know what's beeping, so he can come in during the break, and I can be like, it's that thing that's beeping, and we can fix it. Uh, but Linnell, Linnell will be here later. We'll just, we'll just make Linnell fix stuff. Anthony, I think that is how we should do it. We should we'll make Linnell the engineer. You think stuff will get fixed that way? Uh, no. No, I think stuff would get broken. He would kick something. And honestly, right now, I don't I don't blame him. Uh, what else do we have coming up on the show? Our NFL tiers. 
which are not going to be as empty as I thought. No. Do you know? I think there's still 20 teams available 20 to make the playoffs. Teams, yes. We which went from 24 to 20. Crazy. Crazy. I expected us to be like, oh, no chance, no chance, no chance, no chance, no chance. Nope. Only four teams got no chance. Only four teams got eliminated this past weekend. Bananas. Uh, and then and then we, uh, what else we got? Oh, we got uh, some basketball talk. Some some hoops talk. Uh, and then we'll, I and think. Look at the Pro Bowl snubs. Yeah, Pro Bowl snubs and the fact that the Commanders are one of four teams that have no Pro Bowlers. Zippo. Yeah. Who do you think on the Commanders had the best case for a Pro Bowl season? Cosme. That's actually a great call. He actually probably belongs in the Pro Bowl. Maybe not all pro. I mean, if it was second half of the year awards, he's been he's been exceptional. Realistically, that's I was I was prepared for you to say someone and me to be go, no, the correct answer is who who's going, which is nobody. I think Sam Cosby might have a legitimate case to say that I'm a Pro Bowl snub. Yeah. He's very good this year. And hopefully is a big part of what they do moving forward. Um so there's there's that. Uh, where we'll we'll start, quote unquote, the show next is we will take a look at some of what Eric Bieniemy had to say. He was asked in what will probably be his last press conference as a member of this organization, uh, assuming that he is a part of whatever changes are coming on Monday. Um, he will not have a press conference between now and then, so not kicking him out early. It's just the nature of things. Uh, and, and coordinators uh, don't do exit press conferences, especially ones who who get canned um but i'm sure uh he will eventually answer questions and wherever he winds up questions about about here maybe he'll give an interview to someone uh on the way out that would be great eric if you want to call this show we can give you the number um but eb was asked to reflect on some of the decisions they made this year some of the decisions around how they pursued uh how they pursued sam howell's development how they pursued any number of of strategic choices that he was in charge of and some of the answers were, were pretty interesting um, as, as the end of the year comes guys tend to be a little bit more open and reflective uh, we also know that uh, John Dotson was pretty open yesterday in terms of the culture so we will talk of you know some of the EB's answers kind of touch on that and additionally we will let you hear if you didn't hear Dotson yesterday and some thoughts from us on that uh, all of that is still to come this hour it is the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Again, we are actively working on the YouTube stream. So if you're listening, say, on the free Odyssey app, going, hey, where's where's my YouTubes? Uh, we're working on it. So uh, we'll get that up very shortly. Uh, in the meantime... Uh, Eric Bieniemy spoke today in what will probably be his final press conference of the 2023 season. Um, he obviously is very likely to uh, be fired in this offseason. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But he, he was asked some questions in terms of uh, reflecting on uh, what it is that he has done this year. And, and kind of, I, I think, the most interestingly, the overall strategy um, that he has employed in terms of being so pass-heavy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, here was Biennemi speaking earlier today when asked specifically about how that strategy affected Sam Howell and if being so pass-heavy, leaning into that part of the, the game so much and putting so much on Sam's plate uh, was was the right move in hindsight. 
I think going back, looking at it, yes, in order for a quarterback to play, you got to give him an opportunity. Now, obviously, you can look back at situations and say did something different. But a lot of that is predicated on uh, the score, the situation uh, that presents itself. Uh, yeah, there's a number of things that you can do to change everything. But it worked out the way it did. And I think what has happened throughout the course of the season, it's helped Sam to grow. Like I said, he's had some highs. He's had some lows. Uh, he's had some challenging uh, situations. But the thing that is testing, it's not only testing him as a talent, it's testing his character. And he's finding out more about who he is as a person. And the thing that I love about him is his behavior has not changed. If anything, you know, going through this adversity has made him even more hungrier. It's, it's given him a, even more of a passion to want to, to perfect his skill set. So, you know, that's the thing that, that excites me about Sam. And that's, I mean, that's what you want from a quarterback. I mean, obviously, there's always things you would love to do. Sam's development happened the way it did. And I guarantee you he's probably the happiest person in the building <laughs> because he, he's had an opportunity to sling it around the park, and not every uh, young quarterback can say that. <laughs> I think that answer sucks. Straight up. That answer's terrible. That answer sucks. That answer is a lie. Not that he's lying... Um, in terms of what he thinks that, so I guess it's not a lie. That answer, it's not a good way to develop a quarterback. It, Sam can't be the happiest person in the building because he got to sling it all over the lot. Sam is bumped, battered, and bruised because you exposed him. You know who's happier? Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy in his first year playing was asked to drop back like seven times in true drop back a game. When you count true drop backs, set hut, get ball, go back in the pocket, do your thing, read the entire field. It's like, yeah, we got caught in a bad third and seven a couple times and we had to make Brock do that. Other than that, it's a lot of pitch the ball to this guy, uh, jet pass to him, play action with an easy read, you know, two-man high-low situation where you win with the pen, the idea that they did Sam Howell some kind of favor this season is a joke. That makes me so angry. And it also, by the way, I, I was on with AWOD today down in Richmond. And uh, Adam said that he is on the, the Russell bandwagon of bringing in Dan Quinn or a defensive head coach and giving EB another year. If I have a young quarterback, I do not want Eric Bieniemy anywhere near them. I think, and, and to be very clear, this is a professional statement. I think Eric Bieniemy cares tremendously about his players, and I think Eric and Sam actually have a great personal and, to an extent, professional relationship. I think there are things that Sam has learned this year that he will take out of for the rest of his career that will help him, that he'll go, like, thank God I had Eric Bieniemy early on. Because Eric's a really good football coach. 
But Eric's a really good football coach with a philosophy that's messed up when it comes to the development of a young quarterback. Can we play the first part of that, that again? I'll tell you when to stop it, Anthony. Just Can we play the first part of that again? I think going back, looking at it, yes, in order for a quarterback to play, you got to give him an opportunity. Keep, keep, keep it going. Give him an opportunity. Now, obviously, you can look back at situations and say, oh, did something different. But a lot of that is predicated on uh, the score, the situation uh, that presents itself. Uh, yeah, there's a number of things that you can do to change everything. But it worked out the way it did. And... I think what has happened throughout that's the course good. of that's, the season. That's, that's, that's enough. The idea that it worked out the way it did, when you're the guy who makes the calls, this is my criticism of Rivera all the time, when Ron's like, well, things could have gone a different way. You are not a pundit, man. You are not here to pontificate. We're not asking you questions for your opinion based off hypotheticals and theoreticals and you know, maybe this, maybe that. That's my gig. I can, I can give you all the theoreticals in the world. You're the guy with all the information. And you're the guy not just with information. You're, you don't have to say they could do this or this. You're the guy that says we're doing that. Like you're the guy who has the power. And so, yes, certain time score situations. Like I'm not being obtuse here. Certain time score situations do dictate the flow of games and play calling, etc., but you had a say in getting into those scores and situations in the first place, and some of them you chose to abandon the run when you didn't need to. And and those two things work together. Like, we have the numbers. You can, the, even media folks now, nevertheless, the analytics folks with inside teams have the ability to sort data and say, on first and second down, in the first half of games that are three scores or less or two scores or less. So you say, hey, perfectly normal game flow. Uh, What are we doing on first and second down only within the first half? We're not even really considering the score that much. And they're still the pass-heaviest team in the league. And And here's the other difference, right? It's not just that they pass the mess out of the ball. It's that they pass the mess out of the ball in the most leveraging way possible for the quarterback. In a way that that doesn't help him as much pre-snap as other teams do and puts immense pressure on him post-snap. Because it's one thing to lead the league in attempts if you're a 70% play action team. If everything feels like misdirection. If it's, you know... Of your your dropbacks, I don't have these numbers handy. It would be interesting to to try to sort out. Um, and maybe I'll search I'll search through PFF stuff real quick and see if I can find at least some semblance of them in the break. But you can't you can't give me that nonsense when it's you know 90 percent dropback or whatever they were. When the alternative is okay, yeah, we pass the ball a lot, but it's 50% play action, 20% screen, and there's another 3% of jet pass, and, like, that's just not what it was here. It's drop back, quarterbacks exposed, 
pass blocking has to win at a high rate that they're not capable of. And again, like, I'm trying to tell you all this offensive line is not nearly as bad as, as people want to make it out to be. And I think you see it, like, last week. They do a good job. And, yes, some of the pieces are different. Um, and, like, Cornelius Lucas is a better pass blocker than Charles Leno. I don't know if he's a better left tackle. Leno has so much more mobility. Trent Scott did a good job outside the penalties where Wiley seems to have one or two big misses every game. But, like, think about what I just said. Okay, Wiley, pass blocking, that's the area where he struggles. Leno, straight back pass blocking, not the area where he's at his best. They're actually very good in the run game. Why aren't we using that? Why, are, why don't our play-action passes marry with our, our run game? What is it about these gun runs in third and short that suggests to you that they will work? Like, they found things that work in the run game. They just don't use it. And yet, against San Francisco, when everyone's like, oh, wow, they're a lot more balanced in the first half, pass blocking holds up all of a sudden. Why? Because you can't just pin back your ears and go. Because you're actually having to play honest. So, oh, man, I didn't expect that to bother me so much. But it really does. It really does. And it, it exemplifies It exemplifies many of the issues this year for the offense and, and I think larger issues under Rivera, which go to kind of the next big topic we're going to talk about. We can take calls on that. Uh, we'll play a little bit more of the enemy. And I want to get into the culture conversation as well. Um, this, this bite from Jahan Dotson came out yesterday towards the end of our show where Jahan said like we have to like we have a culture problem we need to do we need to accept only winning and there's too many the players and he was putting it on players he wasn't putting it on coaches but he said we have not done enough to be willing to accept doing things differently to to change things but i think it's hard to accept what's being pitched to you when you don't have a cohesive organizational vision, everything feels haphazard, and the entire organization is just throwing darts at a wall, and nothing fits together. You're not putting together a puzzle. You're putting together, like, four puzzles that don't make anything. So, yeah, that's, that's a problem. And it's why there's going to be a bunch of changes. And it is instructive in making sure what happens here moving forward. We'll talk about all of that, including your phone calls next, 301-230-0980. The Hoffman Show on the Team 980, streaming live on the free Odyssey app. And, yes, we are now streaming live as well on YouTube. Thanks, Daniel the Engineer. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Uh, Anthony, did we get any calls during the break? I don't think we did, did we? We did not. Okay, so if anyone wants to chime in more on Biennemi or chime in on the uh, the culture stuff that we'll get to in a second here with Jahan Dotson, uh, by all means, 301-230-0980. It's the Ace Law listener line. If you're in a wreck, Ace Law helps you get a check. You call 8888-ACE-LAW. Um, Anthony, what else do we have in uh, for the YouTube audience, just so you know? Um, Anthony's camera is having a fritz right now, so I'm going to take that off the screen. I let people see the fritz momentarily. And then if I keep having it on the screen, it's going to give everybody a seizure. So we're not going to do that. Uh, so Anthony's just a disembodied voice, which is a shame because he got a very sweet beanie on. And and the megawatt smile is smiling. Uh, <laughs> what else What else do we have from EB um, 
trying to explain himself for 2023. Uh, he also talked about um, if it was possible to channels, channel uh, Sam Howe's aggressiveness to pr- mm. produce more big plays while minimizing the mistakes. And here's what he said. I, I believe so. I mean, you always want a quarterback to be aggressive. Regardless, I don't care which quarterback you're coaching because you want him to feel like he's the, the, the best player on the field at all times. We're giving him the keys for a reason, and we want, to, we want him to help lead us to, uh, to a championship. So, yeah, you want that guy to have that confident swagger about himself, but there's also a process too. Um, one of the biggest things you learn from just watching and observing young quarterbacks is getting a quarterback to understand all the different type of defensive coordinators that you're seeing. I mean, these coordinators are doing a pretty good job of mixing up coverages. They're doing a great job of, of, of presenting different looks. And so I think seeing pre-snap, post-snap, and just – and that's not a negative. That's Every quarterback goes through that. Yeah, I mean that that part I think is is a good analysis for me. B. I think one of the things that I would I would add on to that is, as more defensive coordinators got tape on Sam, the results went downhill, which is, you know, obviously less than ideal, and is on some level a reflection of your offensive coordinator's ability to get them ready. And I shouldn't I shouldn't put that on your OC, on your entire offensive staff's ability to get your quarterback ready because it's not just on B. Enemy and you know, there, there's a lot of high-level stuff that Vienemy does, and that is on his plate. Obviously, the the entirety of the game plan, the vision for how it's going to look, the run-pass distribution, the design of the offense. But the, the details in the execution and some of the preparation of whether it's, you know, there were weeks where, like, the receivers just weren't on it, and Sam didn't have a lot of places to go with the football. Like, that is not on EB necessarily, um, and it's not on... Uh, it's not really on Sam even, but the results are ultimately when he can't make it work. And so the more defensive coordinators were allowed to or were able to, based off time elapsed and games played, see Sam Howe, the harder it got because they took away the stuff that they know Sam liked and that EB liked. And I don't think that they adjusted well enough as coach and quarterback and other players on the field and other position coaches to to help un- unlock and-, and solve some of those predicaments that they were in. And I think also to the questioner's uh, point, use some of Sam's skills, Sam's gifts, to turn some of that aggression on defenses into bigger plays down the field and kind of unlock what makes Sam really special, which is that aggressive, big arm, etc. I do think... Um, kind of one offshoot thought of that though is Sam is a base thrower. Like when his base is underneath him, his arm is as good as anybody. But and he can make some throws off platform that are really special. But he also, I think, gets in a lot of trouble sometimes when his arm is not quite as strong off platform, off base as you or as as he thinks it is. He'll be running, throwing something crazy, sidearm, you know rolling out back across his body and you're like dude you can't you can't do that in this league and you know you get picked off or the throw is inaccurate and you miss someone easy where if you just squared and thrown you you were good um and the other thing that i think is 
additional to that and kind of the rhythm time or rhythm portion of the offense is Sam, and this is like my biggest concern about him moving forward and why I think the Washington Commanders are in the quarterback market this offseason, is he's his footwork isn't good enough to get his base underneath him, which is especially problematic when he's, again, a base thrower. If you, you're a base thrower without a good base, that becomes a problem pretty quickly. Um, what else do we got, uh, Anthony, from EB? Uh, he also just talked about um, what this organization needs to do in order to reach uh, the level that he was at with the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, that that could be interesting. Yeah, especially with the Jahan Dotson comments yesterday. Let's uh, let's fire away on Bienemy. Well, you know, I can only answer that possibly from just being an offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, the other issues that's it's not for me to address. I think that's you know ownership and whoever they decide to bring in there as a new head man or whatever, they decide to go in that direction. But overall, the only thing that you can control is your work ethic. And one thing that I think our guys have done a great job offensively is just continuing showing the improvement in their work ethic because we can't control everything. You're not going to be perfect at everything. But one thing you can control is the effort that you put into it. And that's on the field. That's in the classroom. Uh, it's second effort in finishing everything. On top of that is to taking the notes in the classroom and then asking the proper questions so you can get the, uh, the right answer. But other than that, we just need to make sure that we learn how to become resilient. When things go wrong, it's not, oh, well, here we go again with that. No. It's time to basically stand tall, hold your head up high, and figure out how we're going to handle this next situation and continue powering forward. So if anything, and I'm just talking about an offensive football standpoint, that's where we need to go. That's the direction we need to head in. I think that's a super interesting and illuminating comment um, from the enemy. And this is why – so Logan and I recorded Take Command this morning, as we as we do. And um, – we were talking about Jahan's culture comments, which we'll play for you next if you haven't heard them. But in talking about that, I was I was going back and forth with him about a certain aspect of the culture and the coaching and the this and the that. And he goes, let's just stop for a second and remember. We're not in the rooms. So we get pieces that are linked, leaked out. And all those things are right. They might not be the whole story, but they're they're often right. But we don't have the whole story, and we, we're not in those rooms to really understand the dynamics. And this is where I wonder about this football team. And in the back half of the season, their schedule got a lot harder. I think Sam regressed, and obviously the defense was struggling mightily to the point that their D.C. got fired. So if that is all the case... There could have been progress that was masked by losing in in some of this, I would say, down, down the list, but very important stuff. In other words, if they actually did get better from a work habit standpoint throughout the year and a work ethic standpoint and some of the guys that maybe weren't fully on board earlier in the season with what it took and the way that they needed to operate as professionals learned that as the year went on, that could be something that really helps this team moving forward, even if it doesn't help them right now in a in a lost season. So I, I that's the stuff that 
I'm hoping we get a lot more information and insight on over the next couple of weeks. And some of those things are going to happen because guys are going to flat out say it. You know, I'd imagine there's a couple of veterans that have been good soldiers uh, all year long. And on Monday, when locker cleanout happens, they're going to say some stuff that, you know, hey, I'm, you know, we don't want to say it during the season, but this was a huge problem. Or, you know, I'm, you know, I didn't want to say it because we were losing games and people would just laugh at us, but I'm really proud of how this came out. And that's the nature of sports and especially pro sports at the highest level. Like you play a team like San Francisco 49ers, that's way better than you. You can get your ass kicked, but you can learn something from it. And I, I just hope that even though I have my qualms with philosophically the approach taken this year on offense, the whole offensive philosophy that I think has failed this team miserably and is a symptom of a larger Ron Rivera plagued uh, approach that has no cohesiveness of who this team want to be. There was never a plan and thus it's hard to execute the plan is the, is the shortest version of that. I do think that there are elements that they can learn things that I certainly as an analyst take out of this season. And if I can take stuff out of it as, as an analyst and have, you know, see some of the importance of certain things being done certain ways or not done certain ways, then I sure as hell hope that the guys who lived it and experienced it can take some of those those things and draw them out and parlay them into a success starting next season here in Washington. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We're streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And when we get back, uh, John Dotson had thoughts on the commander's culture. They weren't exactly uh, pretty. We'll take your calls on it at 301 230 on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Eric Bieniemy, last press conference of the year today out in Ashburn. Uh, also, uh, let you play Jahan, or we'll let you hear Jahan Dotson's comments on the commander's culture in a few if you have not heard those yet. But we're taking calls on Bienemy and what he had to say now at 301-230-0980 is the Ace Law listener line. If you're in Iraq, Ace Law helps you get a check. Call 8888-ACE-LAW. Let's go to Sean to get us started. Sean, thanks for calling. You're on the Hoffman Show. Hey, how you doing, Craig? I'm good, man. One, one, question, one, one question I would have if somebody would ask Eric Bienemy is if this was your team and you were the brand-new head coach and you had a rookie quarterback, would you have put him through the gauntlet that you did as far as developing him? I don't think that a rookie or first or second, excuse me, second year quarterback, but sure. his first year starting right. should have led the league at any point in time in pass attempts. I think he was set up from the jump by Eric Bieniemy trying to prove that he can function in an offense absent of Andy Reid instead of just trying to be an offensive play caller. That, that suits your talent to what defense you're going against and changing at any given moment. Those are the best coaches in the league. So I think he did himself a disservice this year. Yeah, I agree. And that, the thing is, Sean, like some people have posited what you just did as it's like, well, Eric's trying to prove that he can be a head coach. Or he's trying to prove that he can be an offensive coordinator outside, kind of like you said. But they, they do that like – like he actually was succeeding. And what I appreciate about your call is the recognition that he miserably failed at that. Like this is not, yeah. this is not, if I was a, a team having a young quarterback in my future plans, I don't want Eric Bannon on my offensive staff. 
Like that's what I that's what I learned this year. Right, but I just don't understand the thought process behind uh, not. It's a win-win if you develop how and bring him along, regardless how you do it, whether you have him leading the league and passing at one point or not. Once you realize that defense was going to be subpar, it would have helped everyone to uh, to cater your offense toward uh, 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 complementing the defense, whether that be a ball control or just tinkering it a little bit. I'm not saying don't pass. Of but course. it seems a little excessive to me. No, I agree, Sean. Thanks for the call. Uh, much appreciated. And this this has been my thing all season. Is like, you want to know what, how you get new jobs? You'll win football games. Like, it's very hard in this league to be the next guy unless you are either clearly a proven, like, up-and-comer, a.k.a. a Sean McVay, Right. Sean coordinated the offense here. He was a known commodity. The name was known. Um, you know, he impressed the heck out of people with some of the things he was able to do with Cousins early in his career. I mean, the last year Kirk and Sean are together here in D.C., Kirk damn near throws for 5,000 yards. That'll get you a job. And, by the way, they were competitive until the last game of the season. And, and they won the NFC East the year before. Bad NFC East, but they they won it. So I, I think that there is this misnomer that like EB had to prove something where the way that EB was going to get the next, and look, Eric's going to be fine. Um, there's already reports out there from some, not like your Adam Schefter's or whatever, but it's like some of your in, people that are insiders and get stuff, you know, have information, whatever it's worth. They're like, oh, he'll be at the top of the Falcons list. He'll be on top of this list. He'll, he's he's going to be there. He's on every head coach list. So like, EB's resume is good enough to speak for itself in terms of what he did in Kansas City. And I think a lot of people look at what's happening in Kansas City without him and some of the things that have come out there that he they miss him there and that that was a good fit. But the way that EB was going to be at the top of everyone's list, the way that EB was going to be the man here was not to prove I can turn Sam Howell into the league's leading passer. I said I can coordinate an offense with Sam Howell that wins games, which is why the goal this year for Rivera and for Biennemi and whatever was never to like win the Super Bowl. Their goal should have been to go eight and eight, nine and seven with Sam Howell. And that's the way they would have kept or best positioned themselves for future jobs. That reality has always been true. And instead it does feel like there was some other point to be proven or that they genuinely thought this was the best strategy in which case, oh my God, no. No, 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 no. And the fact that they never changed it, that we're going into week 18 still talking about this is wild to me. Uh, let's go to Aries Tony on the Ace Law listener line. Tony, what's up? Craig, how you doing, man? Long time. I ain't seen you since the bullpen, but anyway. Appreciate you. <laughs> so, it's all good. But listen, you know what? All this ain't even been about... Um, how? Because from the get-go, man, it should have been a, a quarterback competition at uh, the training camp and made the best man win between him and Brissett. And in reality, he should have been just watching Brissett, and Brissett should have been the uh, starter. So uh, bringing him along and everything. And maybe we'd be talking playoffs or where position where we at now instead of giving uh, Howard the keys to the car off of one game from last year. 
that's the that's the downfall right there because again, I wouldn't me and that's Ron's fault because he didn't even make it a competition. He just gave him the keys right off the bat. So that's it. Yeah, but, well, um, here's here real quick, Tony. Let me just respond to that. And if you got another point, we got we got enough time uh, that I can I can let you pop back in. But I do think sure. there there was like a miniature competition. Like it was. Let's let's not get it twisted. This was not like both teams started zero. Let's run out the clock of training camp. Like Sam started with the lead, and Jacoby didn't do enough to close that gap. And that that I don't want that to become revisionist history here. Like Sam won the job in training camp. The problem was he did not then improve on what we thought he could be coming out of training camp, and thus we are in this conundrum. And for Eric's part in it, which is kind of the part we're focused on now, but should I want to clarify, this is just Eric's part in it. There's a lot of other factors here. I don't think he created an offense that was going to cultivate that growth. If if Sam but, was your guy, if he's that young quarterback, then you had to have a different approach offensively. If Jacoby was your guy, different story, but he wasn't. And I think taking the flyer on Sam was worth it to see if he could be the guy because he does do some really nice high-end things. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like Sam was god-awful in training camp and Jacoby was God's gift to quarterbacking. They were pretty close to even, and Sam probably even had a little bit better camp straight up. And considering the trajectory and the age of both players, it's a no-brainer at that point to go with Hal. But Craig, when look, but when Brissett got a chance to come in, he executed Eric the enemy offense with no problem, and everything. He was giving the ball to the receivers. Of course, all of a sudden Terry, all of a sudden Terry appears. He appears to catch the balls. Uh, Jahan was catching the balls. Um, Samuel's catching the ball. All of them was catching the balls and everything. I don't, so, I don't disagree with that, but it's also easier to come in as a backup when the team isn't prepared for you. He is a veteran who knows this offense, but that the point is, like in training camp, they had a competition. Sam mm-hmm. won the competition. EB didn't do a good job following that competition of creating a system that was beneficial to work for a young quarterback. That's his job. If he wanted to run this system all hell or high water – then they should have never had a competition, and Jacoby should have just been the starter from go. Well, here's my assessment to this now. I think it's not like Sam is now the quarterback. He's a hell of a quarterback, but I don't think he's a good starting quarterback. I think he's a uh, a backup quarterback at best, and I think they need to move on and find a quarterback that's a little more taller because obviously he was getting he was getting – he was getting crushed on some of the stuff, Craig, because I, I'm in, I DVR a lot of the games, and I try to backtrack and see what was the downfall, was it the offensive line and everything. So some of that stuff, it, it was his mechanics and everything, but I think, me personally, I think he's just a good backup at best. I'm not no, a good I, and I think, I think th- uh, Tony, thanks for the call, man. Uh, appreciate you checking back in. Um, I agree, and I said that yesterday, and you know we talked about it a lot over the past couple of days, or really this week. Um, I think at this stage in his career, Sam's a high-end backup, which at 24 as a fifth-round pick is to be a high-end backup, a guy that you could trust to start a game if, if you get in a bind next year, uh, or if you're even if you're a good team. Like He's a guy that's going to give you a chance to win. But is he going to a guy that's going to position you to win week in, week out? There's a difference between like, yeah, he's. We count on him to be one of the reasons that we win every week. Versus, yeah, we got a chance with that guy, and you want your starter to be more than a chance guy, and that's that's unfortunately I think for Sam where he is right now. But 
how much of that chance is on that quarterback? And I think that's where I look at Eric and this offensive philosophy. And Ron has a huge role to play here. And uh, obviously a lot of the position coaches, whatever. But if if they had taken the chance part of it and said, we got to take the the part that's on Howell way down, deleverage him, more running the football, more play action, more predetermined throws, more quick game, more all that stuff. And they did a fair amount of quick game. I'll give them that. But a lot of drop back decision making, uh, then then I think they would have been a better spot. Softman Show, we're on the Team 980. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. I see Linnell roaming the hallways. He will roam on down here uh, for Not My Beat next overreaction, quote-unquote, Tuesday on a Thursday here on the Hoffman Show.